to linger here like this Hold your hand and steal a kiss or two On the front porch with you Hello and welcome to On the Front Porch with us, your regular Disney podcast. I am Tony Pascal, and this week is week four of Pumpkin Potathon. In just a moment, you're going to be hearing from Josh and Kim Metzger from the Service Desk podcast. Uh, she also is on the Beholder's Eye podcast. Um, they're going to be talking about like a lot. Uh, they're going to be talking a lot about environmentalism in just a moment here about in Pocahontas. Uh, it's going to be a really cool conversation. I'm really excited about it. Um, Before we get to that, though, there's been a lot made about Josh as the funny one in this podcast and Tony as the not-so-funny one. Let me tell you, I contribute a lot to this podcast besides bringing uh, insight that otherwise wouldn't be there because I have a really, really interesting point of view, and everybody says so, Um, and I I bring uh, uh, a certain um, um, verbiosness uh, loquaciousness to the podcast. Uh, I pulled up the thesaurus.com. Uh, I also am really funny. So let me tell you some jokes about pumpkins. Are you ready? Well, it's a podcast. So I hope you said yes. Here we go. When asked how he was feeling, what did the pumpkin say? I'm fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> what are gourds afraid of? Things that go pumpkin the night. <laughs> what do adventurous pumpkins do for fun? Go bungee gourd jumping. <laughs> this is good. This is the last one. Why do pumpkins sit on people's front porches? Because they have no hands to knock on the door. Anyway, we're going to let this podcast, this uh, intro end, and you're going to go to the interview. But just remember this next time somebody says, Tony's not funny on the podcast. Here we go. What's orange and faster than a speeding train? Super Pumpkin! Hey, everybody. It's me, Josh. We are here today. I'm joined this week by a fellow podcaster, awesome person, really funny, Kim Metzger. Hi, Kim. Hi. Hi. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Your discussions of Disney are delightful. Thank you. Uh, I, I, we, you know, we're here because we love Disney. That's what it's all about. So you, you host a couple of podcasts. You are on the service desk and you're on the Beholder's Eye. Uh, tell me a little bit about those shows. Uh, host would not be the right word for Beholder's Eye, but okay. I play Zalara, <laughs> a wood elf monk. And we are a cast of would-be heroes, I suppose, uh, gallivanting about the Great Isle where we're attempting to, you know, save the world from all the evil things and all the usual D&D stuff. We, <laughs> it gets pretty dark, but we try to keep it light because, you sure. know, you have to have some humor amongst all of the evil that you're releasing accidentally. Oops. <laughs> and sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Service Desk is my podcast in which I and my co-host talk about technology and try to explain things in a manner that hopefully the non-tech savvy will be able to better understand the tech world and do things with all these crazy gadgets that we have. Yeah, all these newfangled uh, technologies. I 
I gotta tell you, Kim, I listened to a few episodes and it, it has helped me significantly. Oh, good. I am one of those people that just I I can barely work the computer when I try and do uh, audacity as as you know by how we're recording right now <laughs> this is <Sorry. laughs> this is just one of the things that i deal with i get it anyway yeah i appreciate your your show because it helps me figure stuff out like that well, well hey if you need some personal tech tips just let me know i'll hit you i well okay that's dangerous because now i'm going to be calling you <laughs> <laughs> no i i want to i want to for our the sake of our listeners let tell us a little bit about yourself uh who are you what do you do uh, I am a mother of two. I live in the middle of Nebraska. I'm a tech uh, support desk person by day and d and D nerd by night, mostly. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, well, I, I gotta say, thank you again for being on the show. I do have, um, y- you've listened to a few episodes, so you know we have a very important rule when it comes to guests. Oh, yeah. Uh, besides just getting to know you and what you do, uh, we also have some some very important uh, questions to ask to make sure that you know you're 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 qualified to be on the show. Yes. So with that in mind, I, I have some rapid fire questions for you if you are ready. I think I'm prepared. I've heard them before. Okay. Unless you change. <laughs> oh well, them you've heard some you. of them. Yeah, you've heard some of them. <laughs> okay. Favorite Disney movie. This one I knew was going to be very hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> Rapid fire. Sorry, Aladdin. <laughs> Aladdin. Oh, okay, all right. Favorite non-Disney movie? Uh, Decoy Bride with David Tennant. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Uh, favorite Disney princess? Uh, Fiona was not Disney. Jasmine. Nope. Jasmine, okay. Uh, favorite non-Disney princess? Fiona. It's Fiona, I figured. Um, favorite uh, D&D class to play? Monk so far. Okay, Monk. Okay. Favorite non-Disney D&D class to play? Uh, I didn't realize there were Disney classes. <laughs> Anything. It's fine. It could be Monk again if you want. <laughs> druid. Okay. Yeah, Druid. That works. I don't know of any Disney Druids. Okay, and then the last okay. question that I have is uh, Mac or PC? PC. Or okay. Linux. Linux? Okay, even better. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you, you passed. You did it. Welcome to the show. Uh, <laughs> good job. So we we are talking about, we actually haven't mentioned what we're talking about yet. We're talking about Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you chose this one in particular. Pocahontas came around at a time when I was uh, about 12 or 13-ish. Um, and it really made an impact on me from an environmental point of view because of just the, the strong themes and I also, at the time, I was living in South Dakota, and there's a lot of Native American people around South Dakota that uh, needed a lot of help. And this actually kind of helped me to see them as not the evil, terrible people that um, my dad would have had me believe. <laughs> uh, okay, well, yeah, it's it's a great movie, and I'm glad that we're talking about it. And it sort of spurred the conversation to come up that we're, we're also sort of talking about environmentalism in general in Disney movies, I think. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess to start out with, with, with this movie, it is one of the princess movies, so it's, it's one of the more well-known Disney movies. Mm-hmm. There are some really interesting elements to this movie that lead you to believe that it is one of, one of the more environmentally-minded movies. 
one of those the the main thing that comes to mind is the talking tree for me that's the one she is my like, favorite oh, character yeah. in the well <laughs> other than the raccoon but yeah miko yeah 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 i i totally agree i i think that i love the character i think that the song is beautiful that the the tree sings mm-hmm. but specifically you've got like a talking tree telling you what what to do wisdom from a tree you've got like she's friends with some animals she's always not wearing shoes and she's like the biggest hippie in the world so like (laughs) i i guess she was a hippie before hippies existed yes yeah she she was a hip or she was a hipster hippie before it was cool (laughs) so i guess the, the the question came up of like how in what other ways is this movie kind of environmentally minded and you mentioned the song colors of the wind mm-hmm. um what about it what what specifically so i think until that point in my life i had always just kind of you know like you go fishing and you maybe you just don't bother to pick up whatever wrappers because it's paper paper dissolves it's fine don't worry about it and things like that so with just talking about even the the rainstorm and my river are my brothers and the the otters are my friends it's holy buckets like there are creatures that live in this river other than fish that i'm trying to kill and eat that could potentially like pick up this paper and and die like if if there's the ink on it that could potentially poison them or all of those manner of things that i had not previously thought of that stretching my mind to think about the ways that our presence here impacts the environment in just so many different ways that until you, you know, start to to conceptualize like, well, where does this piece of paper that is blown away from me, where does it end up? Or these balloons that we released for Sunday school, where do they end up? That's yeah. I, I maybe won't go there right now because that one's no, a I mean, hot you're right, topic for me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that it among talking about that, we like, I guess, so the bigger question that I have for you then is this movie does talk a lot about environmentalism and like, you've got to think about the world through the world's eyes. I guess my question is, do you think that that outweighs the racial stuff? Or do you think that like, I guess I'm asking, do oh. you think this movie does more harm than good? <laughs> uh... I think the the Savage's song, where you see the two sides that are so bent on destroying right. each other, and yet neither one of them are right. You know, the well, okay, the people invading probably are are less right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but <laughs> as, as but as far as the actual like act of killing each other goes, like neither one of them has to go through this you know it's very clear that pocahontas at least and this one guy john smith um are we're able to come together and have some conversation and granted it's because they're all lovey-dovey and blah 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 but because they've come together and have this conversation and she's able to risk her life essentially for the potential of saving him and preventing this war which she knows is going to be an absolute disaster on both sides. I I think it at least attempts to do a good job of being like, hey, like this this was not a good idea. We should not have come here probably, but here we are. And so how do we get along with each other 
now that this is the status quo and at the time of this movie we mostly just you know shoved them off on their little reservations and told them you are kind of worthless people and now there's all kinds of alcoholism and terrible things that happen among them yeah but does it outweigh the does the environmentalism put forth by the movie outweigh the blatant racism it, it's kind of a, a toss-up I, I don't know either and that's why i ask like i, I think that it, it's it's a hard question it's like I don't think there's uh, a good answer to be perfectly they're, they're, honest. No, and I I agree, and I I guess that's on me for asking it that way. Um, <laughs> no, like, it doesn't. You know, yes. I, I think I think you're right. They're separate issues, and they're the fact that they're both in the movie is unfortunate, right? Uh-huh. Like the fact that racism is in the movie to begin with is unfortunate, right. but at the same time, the fact that we get something good out of it is also helpful. I do like that a majority of the movie is more from the the side of the native americans and how they were they were going about their life and doing their thing and granted they were at war with each other and doing whatever raids were happening there but it wasn't the same kind of invasive destructiveness of the europeans coming in yeah well, it wasn't a story from the colonial standpoint. Yeah, you're right that it was. It was more of like, oh, there are new people here and they're mm-hmm. trying to hurt us, and that part was good. It was just the all the savages stuff that was a little bad, and also the fact that she went back home with them. Well, that wasn't in the movie, though. That's a whole nother question. <laughs> yeah, well, because the, the the sequel is a whole nother thing. Uh, we don't talk about I, Disney sequels I ever. I have um, actually never watched the sequel <laughs> to this one because I know Pocahontas' yeah, actual you, story. You don't need to. And I really don't want to see what Disney did with it. No, it's not good. <laughs> so uh, I, I do want to reference, I guess now sort of moving on to the, this idea of environmentalism and Disney uh-huh. as a whole. There's this really interesting book that I recommend. Uh, it's called uh, The Idea of Nature in Disney mm. Animation. And it was written by a guy named Whitley. Okay. Um, and it sort of focuses around the idea that, like, Walt Disney in, like, the 40s and 50s uh, saw himself as having a sustained and strong commitment to the wild nature and the environment. Okay. As is seen in, like, The Jungle Book or, like, Bambi or, like, Snow White. He see It's a different kind of relation to, to okay. nature. Versus Michael Eisner from 1984 to like 2005, when he was in charge of Disney, that he was more of like actual environmentally conscious, um, keeping in mind those things. And that's maybe why this movie has that really strong element or like Winnie the Pooh has some big environmental elements or, you know, Toy Story has a few. Now that we're getting a little bit further in time, we see like Wally that is (laughs) entirely about you've destroyed your planet and now you're a bunch of fat slobs drinking nothing but protein shakes (laughs) way to go awesome way to go everybody on earth great job (laughs) or like looking at like that one's the obvious one that's the the clear winner of this uh contest but the the other one would be like look at finding nemo like there are scenes in that movie where there's just like some bombs laying Uh around from a war or like crabs playing with uh one of those six-pack holders like it's not as obvious but it's still there you know let's put it in these movies and make it known yeah absolutely anyway so i recommend that book i also found a a, something similar it was a a 
dissertation from Vassar College by uh, Lucas that, Wagner or that Wager. That is my kind of dissertation. Good job, Lu- Lucas Wager. That's yeah. awesome. It was. It's. Uh, it's. Uh, he did it in 2014, and it's called "Constructing Nature Through Cartoons: Cultural Worldviews and the Environment in Disney Animated Film." It's mostly about Bambi, okay. which I thought is fair because, like, the, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but like. Bambi look at Snow White that came out like two years before sure. Bambi or whatever and it's like from a, a human's perspective she's friends with some some animals and they help her put on her clothes and that's great basically yeah but it's it's still about like a, a, a human person being the king of the jungle kind of thing versus Bambi where it's like pay attention to this animal this animal is living in the environment and it sucks yeah so I guess from with that in mind, like, what are your thoughts on environmentalism as Disney as a whole? Like, when we look at like Wally, for example, what comes to your mind? What what is the the forefront of that message, if anything? With Wally, it seems to be very trash related, like do your recycling kind of thing. You know, like there's it's just literally piles of trash that are all around the nation or world at that point. And it is so deep and so disgusting that we literally cannot live there anymore because we have just completely destroyed everything, which I do think is a bit of a stretch. I don't think we'll get to the point where it's literally the trash that kills us, (laughs) although the oceans in the whirlpools where you see the, the plastics that are just floating in the middle of, you know, the Pacific Ocean where there's just a mile of trash that's really disgusting but i i hope knock on wood that we're getting to a point where we're starting to recycle better maybe um i know even i'm in small town rural nebraska and we have recycling so if we have recycling i'm i'm pretty certain that it has to be a strong thing in other areas of the country right i hope yeah you would think like yeah so i i i agree with you i think that uh wally is is probably the like I said I think it's the leading environmental movie were there any other instances and not even necessarily just in Disney in in media in general that come to mind when we talk about environmentalism like look at look at like Fern Gully right that is so blatantly about right. like oil right this You're or tar killing. yeah and then I mean if you want to go OG like Captain Planet come on <laughs> oh my goodness gotta love that captain planet on a completely separate note i don't know if you have been made aware of this yet but they're making a captain planet live action movie and it is going to be like super dark from my understanding Ooh. Uh, so Sign me up. it's gonna be awesome yeah i, I want to see the actual heart flopping on the ground <laughs> <laughs> fire heart yeah they, they like <laughs> hold out the object that they're doing um, it's like Power Rips Rangers. It from his chest. <laughs> well, yeah, that that may be a bit much. <laughs> yeah, so I I guess did you have any other major themes from this movie that you picked up? I, I do. It's a little bit naive, but I do love that love conquers all kind of theme to their relationship. That even though both sides are at war, it's very Shakespearean in that way. Um, sure. You know, the the star-crossed lovers kind of deal where there's no way, there's no way they should be together. There's no way any of that should work. But yet, 
they make it happen and they come together and at least in this movie it's beautiful and they have to part for a little bit which is sad and i always cry because i it's that's just who i am uh but like the that love and that relationship can somehow keep the two parties from having a complete war that you know some of the englishmen would die but by far it would completely wipe out the indigenous people that's that's just not cool (laughs) no i agree with you (laughs) so i i as a 12 year old girl as i was watching this that was definitely something that spoke to me and like oh someday i'm gonna have my john smith and we're gonna hopefully not have to like stop a war or anything but you know it was it was a possibility in my head completely yeah yeah it's always a possibility you can't rule anything out um (laughs) so i I have one more major topic to talk about Uh and i wouldn't call well maybe major is the wrong word but like bigger point uh relating to her as a character and that she is like the fact that she takes her advice based on where the wind blows i think is a really interesting like thought process i guess this this idea of when you say like i'll just go where the wind carries me is a very right. like a very like loose i'm gonna go with the flow but in this case it's actually literally taking advice from wind sort of what <laughs> what's your idea what, what are your thoughts on that <laughs> um i guess i've never actually thought of it that way uh <laughs> um because to me uh as far as she what she believes and what it actually leads her to, it seems like for her, it's more the spirits of, I don't want to say ancestors because that's not brought up. That's more Mulan. Uh, but this, the spirits of the earth and the, the creatures around her are more intelligent. No, that's not the right word. More in tune, perhaps, with okay. the way of of how things are going down because in theory like i don't know it's very ent ish in that like if one tree knows all of the trees know and so like it's mother nature working all of her various pieces together to be able to tell pocahontas where she needs to go and which way she should go and the whole like path choosing theme to go along with that and how she she doesn't know what she's doing and she's not doing what she's told which is another thing that i kind of picked up on and am kind of that way so yeah well (laughs) and like it it's funny that you say that i think because like she she takes the advice of the wind more than she takes advice from her like dad which is to say like maybe mother nature versus like human father he's kind Uh, of a jerk (laughs) well he is kind of a jerk but like he still also agrees that like oh, the, the river is alive. You should trust in the river because the, the river's alive, and that's great. But, but he like, also thinks that the river is always the same. Right. And I think and he's in wrong. some ways yeah. she sees it differently, yeah. and she sees it as a new thing, always regenerating, always bringing in new information in a way. Like, And I think that's also part of the reason she's trusting this wind or this tree or these creatures more than she trusts her human father because she knows that 
he is very set. This is the way. This is, you are going to marry Kokowa because that is what I have set up for you. That is what I expect from you. This is how it's going to happen. And the fact that she is her own person, even though we know in the real world she went back to London and died a terrible, terrible death, she picked her own way and she was able to, to do things that otherwise would not have been possible. If she had been listening to her um, to her friends and to you know the people of her tribe, there's no way, no way she would have done any of the things that she did when these people showed up. I, I think that it's interesting that you bring up like the 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 fact that she like trusts the the wind because it brings in consistently new information that it, she's it's always changing. I think that's like it's me and the internet. <laughs> well, like not I, I think I think for me I view what you just said as the like that that wind points to John Smith because he is new information. He's new. He's the change. And him being there is what causes things to start changing, which is maybe why it directs her to him in the first place, because he's this new thing. He's this uh, new stream of information, and she's been taught to trust that new stream of information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I really like that. I hadn't thought about that, but that's kind of an interesting way of seeing things, that she's more of like the – she's the neutral, right? Her father is the the rock, like the we're gonna stay the same, and John Smith is the the variable, where she's right in the middle. She doesn't want things to change too much, but she wants to hear the information. So, like, I I think that's kind of a cool dynamic, and we see that at the end of the movie when she gets in between the two. Absolutely, I I really like that that image. That's a cool image. Thank you for bringing that up. I really like that. <laughs> Okay, well, that's that's all the notes I have. Do you have anything else? There's one more addendum okay. to the Colors of the Wind song. So part of the reason I recognized Colors of the Wind as being such a an iconic like environmentalism song mm-hmm. is Whitney Houston, who sang like the radio edit version, whatever. Of yes. It. I don't know if she sang the real in the movie version. I, didn't I don't think up. she did. No, I don't think so. Uh, but the radio edit version she did, and I once heard an interview with her talking about how she was, she wanted to sing this particular song because it is such a strong speech against, you know, the ruining of our planet and about how we have to look at things through the environment's eyes, in a weird turn of phrase, uh, to figure out what we're doing how best to protect it and what we can do as people to live in that environment and not just completely, you know, dig up all the ground looking for gold when there's right. nothing to be found. When there's not any gold there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I And I loved, oh my goodness, her version of that song is nuts. Makes Amazing. And I wish I had like a third of her voice. <laughs> yeah. that that's, that's a good note too. I What a good song too. My goodness. It, honestly, that's like, probably my favorite part of this movie is that song oh yeah and like the visuals that go with it it's just incredible oh yeah the animation especially on that part each of those those scenes within the song like have the wind blowing through it with the leaves as if to say like 
these are all the paths that she's talking about in the song. Oh my god. And I really enjoy the way because how do you animate wind? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> but they they kick up dust and they kick up leaves and they kick up all these things and I really enjoy the way that uh they manage to animate whatever it is that the wind is moving in such a way to make it feel like another character in the movie. It's yeah. not just, you know, like, oh, her hair's blowing around, you know. And I, I really enjoyed the way they did all of that. And then, like, at the very beginning of the movie, with the the storm and John diving into the ocean and, like, all of that animation to think that this was still the time before we did all digital, that was some amazing, amazing work that they did just on the the diving into the sea portion of it where you can see above and below and like oh i just love it yeah a very visually pleasing movie if nothing else a very visually Mm -hmm. pleasing movie like and when you compare it to the other one that's just like it that's also visually pleasing avatar that oh if you want to go on the environmental (laughs) yeah (laughs) well like yeah it's just a retelling of pocahontas but I, i I think that visually speaking, this story lends itself to be very visually pleasing because of the environmental aspect, right? Like, uh-huh. it, the the story as a whole has the ability to do that because when you're talking about, you know, a beautiful landscape or the sunset or some cool horses that have tentacles on the, their manes that you can put your hair into and then you become their spirit guide, things oh, like that. Don't, don't <laughs> on the tentacle connection (laughs) (laughs) yeah no we're not going to talk about avatar i'm sorry (laughs) sorry anyway yeah it's a very visually pleasing movie you're right okay well tell us uh thank you again by the way thank you so much for being on the show it was awesome yeah i i very much appreciate it and it was a great conversation i loved it tell us again where they can find your podcasts where where they can get those Absolutely. Service Desk Podcast is available, and so is Beholder's Eye, available on all of the podcatchers that you can find. We are both on Twitter, uh, at Service Desk Pod, and at Beholder's Eye Pod uh, are our Twitter handles. And Beholder's Eye, oh, well, I guess they both have their own websites. Service Desk is Service Desk Podcast <laughs> at, at uh, do, 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 dot com servicedeathpodcast.com and then Beholder's Eye is beholderseyecast.com and yeah make sure if you're looking up Beholder's Eye we do have a (laughs) uh, another one that started like almost the same time which is bizarre but they are the Beholder's Eye and we are Beholder's Eye it's oh no yeah oh no so there's no article in front of ours and you can find uh, the big green eye on the black eye that's us all right cool well uh thanks again for being on the show i i very much appreciate it and i hope that we get to have you on another time absolutely if you need more environmental talk or want me to go hey. off about tentacles and avatar <laughs> <let me know. laughs> will do thanks <laughs> bye bye-bye wow ah that was great i haven't actually listened to it yet i'm creating an outro for a, a podcast i haven't listened to yet but uh you know i think it was great how do I know? Why do I know? Why do I know that it was great? Um, because I guess I trust Josh. Yeah, I do trust Josh. And uh, and I haven't listened to, to, I've not met Kim, but I've listened to the service desk. 
and Behold His Eye podcast, and they're pretty great. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram and find them on iTunes. You can find us in those places too, Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, Facebook, all at Front Porch Disney. Uh, please rate, subscribe, reviews, etc., etc., because like, uh, if you do that now, while I'm doing the outros, everybody's going to think that it's because of me, and I would really, really like that because I'm doing a really good job here, guys. This is me just like laying it all out. I've done like 20 takes for this one minute of content. So, um, you know, let's just grow the by word of mouth. Uh, tell everybody on Pumpkin Potathon hashtag. Use Front Porch Talks hashtag. And yeah, let your friends know that you, you like me. Uh, like us, anyway. Uh, how I love how I love to linger here like this. Hold your hand and steal a kiss or two on the front porch with you. What does a movie starring Britney Spears, a slasher film centered around Christmas, and a movie where Mandy Moore gets naked and goes into a gross river have in common? They were all made in the 2000s. Guess What You're Gonna Hate is a podcast where I make my friend Janine watch the worst movies of the 2000s and laugh at her. Check us out on iTunes or look us up online by going to hatepodcast.com. I hope you like it, because I sure know Janine doesn't.